This is Devin Tart with the Free Buddhist Network. Today we bring you another episode of 40K Radio. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to 40K Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of 40K Radio. I'm your host, Matt Alex, and with me, as always, is Ashley. Hey, guys. And JF. Hi. I apologize for the echo. I'm in a new location. I still haven't soundproofed it. 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 Soundproofing <laughs> stuff? That sounds awfully professional. No, not really. Um, I just need to put up some shelves and things to break the sound. He needs to finish his, his space with shelves for all his painted models and stuff. Kind of, yeah. I mean... If it doesn't fix it, like, I'm going to get some acoustic foam. Like, that's not the end of the world. But right now, it's because it's really literally just an empty room. I just moved into a new apartment. Speaking of which, let's talk about what we've been doing lately. Moving into a new apartment. There Ashley? you go. I saw your nice I saw your nice liquor cabinet display. Mm, yes. I haven't really cracked it open yet. It's just pretty Looks right fancy, now. Though. It, it is. I mean, that's where I keep all my fancy beverages. <laughs> There's the, the stuff I really drink is somewhere else. <laughs> like my Mad Dog 50-50 right, and like right. Emu 999, stuff like that. Jeff bought a whole pallet of Four loco before it disappeared. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's Four loco again? That was the energy drink mixed with alcohol. Oh, I can make those myself. Death in a can, basically. Yeah, yeah it, it killed people. Cool. I mean, that's terrible. <laughs> God, I'm, I sound super evil today. Uh, wait, I should probably talk about hobby stuff. I've yeah. um, Actually, here's a really weird thing about where I am hobby-wise is I've because I've moved, I've realized that most of my move is packing fragile figs that I don't play with a lot. And then displaying it so that I can not play with them anymore. And it's um, it's maybe comes to the realization that I have too many armies. And I know like the immediate reaction to that everyone's gonna have is like too many armies. There is no such thing. But there absolutely totally is in the sense that if I were playing all of them on a regular basis or even most of them. Yeah, sure, I don't have too many. But right now I do have too many. And I'm going through this very difficult time sort of deciding what am I going to part with. Because most, most of the armies I have are armies that I made for Adepticon over the last nine years. Mm. And so they're all things that I did with teams. They're all things that I've had, you know, adventures with. Like, oh, I went to Chicago and I played in tournaments and crazy conversions and expensive things and gimmicks and stuff. And so it's it's really hard for me to pick which ones I will keep and which ones I won't because some of them are pretty gorgeous. Some of them have all these memories I talked about, and a yeah. lot of them have both of these things going for them. So I don't know, man. And I, I, I really wanted to go like to a good home. I don't just want to like sell them to some rando for like a bargain basement. Like I'd rather sell them for less money and make sure they go to someone who's really going to appreciate them and have fun with them. Can I possibly make a suggestion for one of the armies you decide to get rid of? <laughs> which army? Oh no, whichever one. Like when you oh, decide okay. which one to get rid of. The Nova Open Charity. Oh, I don't know how that works, but 
I have a feeling Ashley can tell me. I know people who can tell you, but I don't yeah. know off the top of my head. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so at least that way you know that it would rather than, you know, it would go to a good cause anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, that, that's exactly the kind of thing that I, I want to see done with them. And I there's also and we're going to get to talking about that. But one of the reasons for, for this is because I want to also concentrate more on whatever army I do end up keeping. And let's not care ourselves. Armies that I do end right, up right. keeping. I'm not. I'm not stupid. I'm going to keep more than one. And because I want to grow that army, and I want to play that army in large apocalyptic sized games, Ooh. shall we say? So I don't know. It's it's really tough. Like I'm I'm doing this Sophie's Choice type of thing where. I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be giving out armies that are super dear to me or selling them or whatever and I'm not even good at selling things like that like doing the whole like Craigslist for models type thing so ah, I don't know it's like it's it's a difficult thing it's been a, it's been a rough couple of weeks and that has been my hobbying I've uh, I've sort of been going through the same thing because I sort of came to the same not that all mine are nicely converted and painted like yours but I came to the conclusion like I just have way too much stuff. You know, so I'm I've been trying to go through and figure out, OK, I, I'm probably never going to get to this army, even though it would be cool. So I should try and get rid of that um, for both Age of Sigmar and 40K. You should try moving. It will do wonders for the amount right. of stuff like, that you I don't have. want this shit. <laughs> yeah, it but. was uh, it was real easy to start making a decision when I decided, do I want to haul this 15 miles away? Yes or no. Yeah. And well, like. I bought an entire Skaven army back in like three editions of actual Warhammer ago and never ended up doing anything with it. And it's just been sitting there. It's like, well, I've been lugging this thing around for, you know, 15 years. I should probably just get rid of it. Oh, yeah. My, my unpainted things are just, they're, they're leaving. They're gone. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm keep, I'm going to keep, I'm probably going to keep like my Tyranids and Gene Cult armies I'm building right now because I can play them together like they synergize well. Yeah. I'm just going to have to rebase a bunch of Tyranid things so that they all fit nicely as a as a as a full army. There's also some uh, some fun things I can do with a uh, I can do with some you know large apocalyptic sized models like I have a Herodon. I can probably get a Hierophant. Wouldn't be too hard to justify getting a knight and saying that like. For for apocalypse games, like converting it to look like it's something that the the, the Gene Seer cults have you know finagled for themselves. Like there's a lot of fun things I can do. I'm probably going to keep my uh, my ad mech for somewhat the same reasons because they have access to some huge models. Yeah. And then then it becomes really tough because I have this really big Tau army that's got like a lot of cool infantry. They're all converted to have like these Necron bits on them, and I should get rid of them. I really don't want to. It is hard, man. This is really hard. It is. That's, I think, especially with the amount of work you put into them, you know, it's a tough, tough choice to figure out what to keep and what's got to go. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the right amount of money will make me part with anything. Yeah, of course. <laughs> an army, my car, a limb, um, a kidney, Matt. <laughs> Ooh, uh, I can always use a backup. There's a market for that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm told. But but that's the thing, like I'm not like I said, like I'm not really good at selling things, so I don't see myself being very good at bargaining like ex- exorbitant prices that are gonna make me feel comfortable about parting with these armies. 
Yeah. But I, I have to do it because if I want to get like Games Workshop's putting out more and more cool skirmish type games and expansions for other games. And if I want to be able to like take advantage of them, like take advantage of Apocalypse, get into Titanicus that I've owned for way too long and haven't done anything with. <laughs> if I want to be able to do these things, and there's some some AOS things like Warcry looks oh, really yeah. sweet. Like the initiative rules on that game are bonkers cool. If I want to be also Aeronautic Imperialist is coming, so oh, yeah. <laughs> my old love, my old flame is coming back to town. So uh, we gonna smash, uh, and by that <laughs> I mean you know aircraft smashing into each other with bullets and bombs and stuff. Yes, yes. Like if I want to be able to get into all these things, I need the room to expand, and that means sending some kids off to. Um, like the, the old battlefield in the sky. Actually, no, it's just someone else's garage. <laughs> well, good luck. It's a tough <laughs> choice. So you guys want armies? <laughs> I have more than I can handle already. Thank you. Yeah, I think I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> God damn it. Fine. All right. What have you guys been up to? So, Ashley, tell us all about the excitement at your new place. Um. Well... <laughs> It, it exists. Now, now for those and, um, who and didn't listen it. to the last episode, she was super excited because there was frequent game nights at our house. Ashley, let's update. How are you feeling about that now? It's every <laughs> night, guys. It's every night. You are 1,000% going to hear some sort of loud exclamations in the background of my mic tonight because they are playing. Tonight is board game night. As opposed to Pathfinder Night and and Star Wars Night and Pirate Game Night. I can't keep track. I just I, I can't even be in all of these games. So, so um, I guess my my question is, what are you going to do with the other two wishes on your monkey's paw? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is true facts. Um, no, it's it's been fun, but I am so exhausted. I just there's so much gaming, and there's like. Just so many people in my house at all times, like to the point that like I'm just gonna start handing out keys and be like, here, just let yourself in because I'm not home yet. Like I don't care. Just you know, don't let the dog out. Like come on. Oh, I got a dog. I saw the post. That's, that's Cute the puppy. other. That's the other thing. Oh, he's he's a big boy. Uh, They're all puppies. But no, he but he's a biggin. He's he's seventy pounds. Oh wow. And he's like all head. He's got one gigantic face. <laughs> and uh, he's been uh, the main focus of my my spare t- my spare time right now. He's got some behavioral issues we're working out, so been real hands on with him. Hopefully, he hasn't eaten any models. No, no, he's um, he's stayed out of the hobby room. That's good. Um, we I went in there uh, to grab um, brushes or paint or something. And uh, I accidentally knocked a box over, like, as he was walking in, and it mm. slammed on the floor, scared the heck out of him, and he ran out, and he hasn't gone back in since. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, so he's afraid of the hobby room, which is probably fine. <laughs> well, for myself, um, my local gaming store has had a summer 40K Grow League that's still going on. So it just escalates in points every few weeks. Uh, and I, so I've been playing in that. You don't, you know, you're not locked into any particular army. So I've sort of been switching around depending on what my opponent is playing. And 
just for fun. Like, I don't want to do, like, Space Marines on Space Marines, so I'll play, like, Harlequins when they play Space Marines, just to change it up a little bit. It sounds like you're really exploiting the advantages of having multiple armies. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Because who doesn't need that? <laughs> um, and they've had an Age of Sigmar Gruel League as well, which I've been playing into with my, my Nurgle stuff. So Haven't had a lot of time to uh, do any painting or anything, though. Um, which brings us to Contrast. So it's been probably about a month now since Contrast has been out. Um, I've seen a lot of people using it locally to great effect. Um, I've had some friends who thought they were never going to get their armies done get their armies done, you know, to a, a decent standard with using the Contrast. Um, have you guys got a chance to use it at all or uh, seen anything locally like where people have used it to, to paint stuff? Well, I bought some. Uh, that's where I'm at. I I have plans. <laughs> um, I I've act, I I actually haven't really played with them much myself. Um, the, the part of the thing is because I'm I'm sort of satisfied with what I do painting wise, uh, as far as my my armies and tabletop stuff goes. But I have seen uh, what other friends do. Like I have a couple of friends that have been trying to like sort of bring their painting from beginner to at least you know more tabletop comfortable something that they they feel less ashamed putting into into a game and contrast have really helped them like make that leap um to the point like especially for like organic looking figs it's it's really helped out one of my friends that does commissions she was she was able to use that not necessarily to replace what she does with commissions but to sort of accelerate certain steps uh, not not like it, it doesn't like she doesn't use contrast as to, to to cut corners, but rather okay. Well, I need to get to a point where this has this level of texture and depth. Normally, it would take me three steps. This will take me one step, and then I can add some some more shadows, add some more highlights, and do all my Zenithial thing. So it's it's been behaving kind of as I predicted it would on the market. But more important for me, it's it. I'm looking at it, sort of what people have been doing with it, and I'm gonna get a couple of bottles, and I, I have a plan because I want to use basically I want to try a new artistic technique on some of my figs, um, and I'll I'll let you know what the results are. I'll I'll post them on the on our on our Facebook page once I get done with it. Now that I've moved and settled, like I have access to my airbrush again, my paint, so. I've got this plan. Like, I, I, I want to see if I can do some cool effects with contrast paints that I couldn't do with normal paints. So I bought some as well, uh, specifically for our Plague Bears, just because I have, like, 120 of them to paint. Um, I haven't get, really gotten into it yet. I just put the the Plague Bear flesh over the base coat, and it looks pretty good as a starting point anyway. And I have, like, I, I paint my Plague Bears, like, I have them paint them five different ways, so this is just a sixth way to add some more variety. But it looks like it's going to work out. And um, like I said, like, local, it's great. Contrast is great for people that don't really want to paint, I guess you could say. Like, they don't want to put a lot of time and effort into painting. They just want to have their stuff painted because there's a lot of people that just like to play the game. Right, so it's great for them. Uh, it's interesting to see the people who like kind of poke fun at it though, because they do like professional level painting, and there and there are just a few people who will post their miniature and say, "Look, one thick coat." And of course, they're just trying to mock the contrast thing, but that's okay. It's not for them. That's the problem. Yeah, and I mean, like we we've had this sort of discussion, the whole idea, like 
not for them in my opinion like every artist should try every tool like yeah i mean the same thing for airbrush like yeah airbrush is a step that makes things move faster and it does gradients in a way that feels kind of cheaty um pretty sure most professional fig painters use airbrushes they don't consider them to be a lesser tool it's the same thing for contrast like if if you're mocking airbrushes and contrast i mean you're i guess i guess you're hitting yourself in the face at a certain point you're yeah. limiting yourself not others because the tool's not going to go away because you make fun of it like right, it's still right. going to be there yeah so i mean might as well embrace it see what you can do with, with it like i said like personally i don't think it's gonna do much for my normal day-to-day painting uh painting process i might use it here and there like to like for certain things that are just simple and i want to accelerate but I want to see, like, I looked at the composition and how, like, how the pigments behave for contrast, and I can equate it to some other canvas painting, you know, mediums, well, medias, and I want to see if I can sort of replicate the effects of these medias instead of being on canvas or on paper on a fig, because they would be neat effects. Yeah, there's... Art, guys! Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not... That, I think that's a really good point. Is like you're saying, it's not just the oh, throw one thick coat on and that's all it can do. You can do tons of stuff with it. You just have to experiment and see what happens, which a lot of people have been doing, which is great to see. Oh yeah, no, I've I've seen like like you know aside from the people like are mocking it, there's some professional painters that have experimented with with contrast paints. If they've done like amazing yeah. things, and a lot of them is basically just saying like yeah, I've accelerated this, like I've made this effect that usually takes. 18 steps and now it takes 12 there's a lot of that there's also a lot of them like like that they've basically said uh, you see how i kind of blended these colors and it looks like it's blended with an airbrush well it's blended in exactly the same amount of time with a bit more complexity with contrast paint like people have been doing amazing things already with it which That's, is awesome. you know one of the reasons why i picked up an airbrush in the first place was because to, just to speed it up a little bit like the result quality is still the same if you put in the work and the details um, like, you know, something that's airbrushed nicely, but there's no details in it will look nice from a couple of feet away, but isn't going to have that same effect when you don't put in the time for the details. The contrast is going to be the same thing. You know, it's, it's going to help you achieve some really cool effects a lot faster. Um, but you still got to put in the work with the details or it's just not going to look that great. Yeah, no, exactly. Like you're, you're nailing it on the head. And one of the things, like going back to the people that are not necessarily like pro painters, because again, like this is not necessarily designed with pro painters in mind. Pro painters will find a niche for it, but the it's not just about people who don't want to paint. But imagine, like a, a, a big component of being able to be an artist is confidence. Like if you if you never really have the confidence to actually sit down and paint figs, you're not going to do it. Like if it's if it's a miserable process that takes forever and you're never happy with the results, of course you're not going to paint an army of 100 figs. So contrast does do this thing where it takes people who aren't necessarily comfortable with painting, who are new to painting, start getting their feet wet and gives them the confidence to like move forward, to get an army painted, to get a second army painted better with more detail. There's no negative in that. I'm, I, honestly, I haven't tried them. I may try them and hate them, and I still am going to walk away thinking that it's a net positive. They also have a much lower threshold to entry than, say, an airbrush. Like, you know, like you go, right, you buy right. the pot and that's that. Like, I wanted to try an airbrush for years before I actually did. But that upfront 
monetary investment of buying a brush and not knowing which kind and a compressor. And then obviously, you know, when you start out with an airbrush, it's not a bad idea to start with pre-mixed airbrush paints. So you can, you know, until you get a feel for mixing them yourself and thinning them out yourself, it's a pain in the butt when you're starting to learn, you know, and on and on and on all these different things like that being able to achieve a really nice quality without having to make that upfront investment is huge is huge yeah it's it's i mean they like you said it's just a low barrier to entry compared to an airbrush and you can get similar but more complex effects with it so if you haven't tried them just give them a try seven bucks see if you like them or not damn straight <laughs> i'm trying to put some more energy into the show sorry speaking of having to paint a lot of what uh models we now have apocalypse for 40k so they're presenting it now as like there's three ways to play right you got kill team there's always three ways to play yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> and whatever no matter what it's going to be the new two thin coats, but for yeah. for rules, there's three ways to play. Because Warcry, there was a there was a post in the Warhammer community today saying the three ways to play Warcry. Well, of course, there's always three ways. So I guess technically there's nine ways to play 40k because if each way has three ways, and there's three ways. This is too meta for me now. <laughs> but anyway, Apocalypse. So you know it's it's been around for a long time um, in various iterations. But the latest one uh, has some some neat mechanics. So when you pick your army, you basically pick rather than picking squads or whatnot, you just you take a detachment, right? So a battalion, whatever the case may be. And they had some really neat uh, deals, like army boxes or I guess detachment boxes that they released. Um, some better than others, depending on the way you look at it. But so you you take detachments and then. It uses blast markers, which is very reminiscent of uh, old Epic, and also uses, you have like a strength against personnel and a strength against vehicles, uh, which is just like, again, like Epic 40k, where you used to have a, a anti-personnel rating and an anti-tank rating. So uh, it's kind of, I thought, that's what I thought was interesting about it, was how it sort of transitioned some of the rules from Epic into this much larger scale game. I haven't seen anybody playing it around here yet. There's a lot of, during the month of August, a lot of, like, come learn to play Apocalypse events going on. So I'm going to try and check those out. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I remember the first time Apocalypse came out, one of my first reactions was, oh, this is how 40K is supposed to be played. Because it was just, like, so epic and so much fun. And it felt more like an event than a throwaway game. Like, yeah, you actually had to, like, I don't know, schedule the day, order pizza, make sure there's lunch break and things. And I don't know. I, I like the grandioseness of it all. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping it keeps a bit of that. I thought one of the coolest things was that stuff doesn't die until the end of the turn. Um, because as if anybody that's played in a mega battle knows, whoever goes first in, a like, a 6,000-point-per-side mega battle the other t side sometimes doesn't have much left when it comes to be their turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you've got a couple of Titanic units in there, like, just blowing everything away. And it really sucks to lug your Warlord Titan all the way to the game shop, putting on the t put it on the table, and have it die on the first turn. 
I mean, it's never <laughs> happened to me. I don't own a Titan like that, but, you know, I can imagine. But still, <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you guys seen any events locally for Apocalypse or not yet? I'm sure um, my local store is going to run something, but I haven't seen an official um, event announcement yet. Yeah, I, I've been too busy. Like, I haven't stepped in my local gaming shop in, like, uh, three weeks to a month now. Like, it's been a very busy few weeks with my move and everything. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're doing something because, especially the, the, the shop that's close to me, they've got a lot of tables and a lot of room. And they're very active doing events for launches like that. So I'm, I can say with utmost confidence, yes, they have something planned. I just haven't seen the announcement myself. But... Logic dictates that it's there. It's happening. And I think one great thing that they released with Apocalypse that Horde Iron players have been waiting for are movement trays. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. That's going to be great. <laughs> Tyranid players everywhere and Imperial Guard players rejoiced. And actually, Orc players, I guess, too, huh? Yeah. I I mean, I'll, I'll play anything as Horde. So <laughs> True. If I could do, you know, horde custodes, I'd I'd try to swing it. So yeah, no, I'm I'm delighted about that. I'll be using those in my 40k games. And the great thing is, is they're not expensive. Right? I I that's that's one thing that I've always liked about Games Workshop, especially modern Games Workshop. They have a tendency when it comes to what I would call quote unquote necessary uh, accessories. Very good at keeping it cheap. When it comes to um, unnecessary accessories like dice, they have no problem uh, right. raising the prices, which is fine. Like basically, it's very it's a very clean line between you know luxury items and and uh, necessity items. And for some reason, they always put the symbol on the one on the dice. I thought they had gotten over this before, and they betrayed me. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so just like the, the 25 millimeter movement trays, it's it's like uh, 18 per pack for $40, and each one holds five guys, right? So that's 90 guys for 40 bucks for movement trays. Yeah, for 80 bucks, I've covered my entire, uh, all my gongs, and I have a few, I have a few bases spare. It's perfect. And all the 3D printing guys that were charging like three bucks per base out there are weeping. Yeah, it's. I mean, I really love um, like the the like the sort of the, the the cottage industries that pop around game, gaming, but but sometimes like some of these things are just not, you cannot compete with actual manufacturing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's a rabbit hole that hopefully soon I'll be going down. Um. My housemates and I have been talking about getting a, a 3D printer, and Ooh. with our combined resources, we can actually get something pretty fancy. Um, you know that I would never spend that money on by myself. But right. With our powers combined, you know we can we can get something pretty fantastic. Um, That's true. And uh, so yeah, we've been we've been looking pretty deep into into that and deciding what kinds we would like. Um, one of my roommates has access to them at work um, and so is already familiar with using them and what sort of functions he likes and doesn't like and thinks is useful and things like that. So one of these days when we have some disposable income around, we're going to 
hopefully set that up in the garage and uh, be able to take advantage of some of these really cool 3D printing options that are out there. And then you can add 3D printing night to the weekly calendar. Uh, there's not enough. There's all the weeknights are full. <laughs> all the weeknights are full. Yeah, not not to mention, I have a feeling that if you guys get a 3D printer, it's not like you can print. This is, these are not like replicators from Star Trek. Like if you want to print something big, it's going to take a few days. So yeah. I have a feeling that machine is going to be running full time. You guys are going to need to set up a schedule. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that you know, that's the idea. You know, at first we'll probably abuse the heck out of it, um, and then it'll probably taper off a little bit. Um, like there's one thing in particular I found, which is like these like weird little egg sacks. And there's like, there's one that has one on it. There's one that has two on it, all the way up through six. And it's a, um, a cool objective marker. Nice. Yeah, you'll be, you'll definitely be able to do a lot once you guys get that, which is great. Little accessories and objectives and cool stuff like that. I always thought, I, and I haven't done it, but themed objectives for armies are are really neat to see. So besides Apocalypse, we also now have Chaos Knights. Uh, they finally, or Renegade Knights, they finally got their own codex full of their own stratagems. And we got some cool new kits too. So it's, and what was interesting is it's not just a knight kit with an upgrade sprue. It's actually they remolded the entire kit for Chaos Knights. Which is good because it needed it. Yeah, and I, and just, you know, like the Chaos, Chaos Rhinos, just straight out of the box, always look a little weird because it's oh, it's a rhino with a, a trophy rack on it, and now it's a chaos rhino. But these have they're covered in symbols and you know faces and stuff like that, so they look pretty cool. Um, I know a lot of people at my local store pre-ordered at least a night for the new kit, and like I said, they have their own stratagems now, so it's it's very much its own own thing, just kind of like a. Imperial Knights, so I'm sure we'll see plenty of uh, Chaos Knights plus 30 cultists and a couple HQs running around. Yeah, I've, I've been, like, I don't care super much for Chaos and the Chaos aesthetic, but I've been kind of interesting, interested in, uh, in some of the lore, because one of the things that they seem to have drawn a difference, maybe you guys can correct me on this, because I, I haven't gone super deep, but they basically draw seem to draw a line between Chaos Knights and sort of Iconoclast Knights, so the knights that fell from the empire, but they're not necessarily like super chaos corrupt either. And um, there seems to be like a lot more depth to the Lord and just these yeah, are yeah. knights, but chaos. Oh yeah, like, definitely. They, they seem to have gone like in an interesting direction with it. And they also and they have um, free blades, just or they call them dread blades instead of free blades. So you still have like your um, advantages and disadvantages that they can take to sort of make like a characterful knight. And um, and they you know they just slightly change things like they have armigers but they're not armigers they're uh, I think they call them war dogs. So oh, that's such a cooler name though. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, Very, at least they're making upgrades with all these crazy names. Sort of reminiscent of, yeah. of warhounds, which is kind of cool. Tiny warhounds. <laughs> um, and then of course, announce me today, right? TV show? Question mark? TV oh, show! Yes. Alright, alright. Um, do I go on my rent now? or I'll, I'll let you guys Do it. No, no, do it. Go seconds. ahead. No, no, you, you guys revel in it for a few moments. Like, say what you need to say, and then I'll rain on your parade. 
Sorry, I'm not sure you can. Oh, I can. <laughs> well, oh. maybe not. No, it's because the thing is, it's still super, it's still super good news. It's still super good news. They pick like a really good property to go with it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than like you know, Horse Heresy just takes too long to get into like a a uh, something like this, and then. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, this like, is, how do you even begin to cover that? Yeah, this is a strong character who had a good series of books that we haven't know, even said who it is oh, it's eisenhorn ah, it's eisenhorn yeah yeah <laughs> right right and an inquisitor is great right because an inquisitor could theoretically interact with any race in 40k without necessarily having to shoot it in the face right away or chapter right yeah there's definitely like that's that's kind of what I, one of the things i i'm always i'm always worried when people talk about oh they should do a 40k movie well it's gonna be a 40k movie about what right and Inquisitors is like the, the it's a good backdoor to the to the setting because you can really ease people into things. And you can really play like you can have a lot of fun with like the mystery of what an Eldar is. Like you don't need to like oh Eldars were there's a huge mega race of like super elves and stuff. Like no like you can have the dude meet an Eldar, have that Eldar be really mysterious like Eldars are supposed to be. And you know we don't even need to reveal what kind of Eldar it is. Like you can have a lot of fun with. Like that kind of approach, I'm 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 super happy that that's the property they picked. So go ahead, rain on our parade. All right, um, this is not in production. This is in development. Yeah, that's um, true. So just to put things in perspective, I have a show in development. Ooh. <laughs> Meaning that it's been optioned, and right. some people are interested in making it a production, and they're going to be shopping it around, but. It does not mean that it will automatically happen. True. There's no like there's there's a production company behind it, but so far they don't actually have any other big names. They don't have anybody fronting any money. Uh, we don't know who's producing it. Well, we know what that production house is producing it, but we don't know who the producers and executive producers are going to be. Uh, we don't know if they have any like you know hotshot screenwriters or like it's it's. Like it's a cool announcement. Don't get me wrong. Like it is an amazing first step that we have not seen for 40k or Games Workshop in forever. So it, there is an, a, a sort of feeling of it's about damn time. And there's a lot of things going for it. Like if you're trying to shop around a property like that and get it get it produced, getting into get into production. I mean, you can you can just this this use this this is a book series. Eisenhorn is a book series, and it's a successful one. Uh, 40k things come with a built-in audience that is worldwide and somewhat sizable. Like, I mean, for gaming, it's immense. If you compare it to, say, like a movie-going audience that you want to see, well, it's, it's 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 good. It's a good start um, without being like overwhelming. Uh, so, and and also, it's kind of got the like. I wouldn't be surprised. One of the examples I gave in in uh, a Facebook comment I, I did about it, the like. It's it's got such a rich intellectual property behind it that it I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised as we see more news come out of this some people saying that this could be the next MCU like obviously it's hyperbole but not that much because you can tie in things and do spinoffs and have a lot of freaking fun with it so as as like that makes it very mouth watering as as a property however. Um, <laughs> this is going to be really expensive to make 
Like, this isn't this isn't like a like it's not Stranger Things where you film most things like in on location, sparse special effects and like very few studio shots. This is going to be entirely in studio, which is like probably a much a much stronger amount of the special effects and elaborate costumes and props, et cetera, et cetera. So that makes it a bit of harder sell. It's also, as much as Eisenhorde is a good starting point, like it's a good point of entry to the intellectual property in a world that is 40K, it's still a really intimidating and complex setting to yeah. sort of sell to people. Like if you look at The Expanse, The Expanse, it's, oh, it's today's po- sociopolitical problems in the future. It's oh my super God, that easy so to walk good. in. Oh, yeah, I know. It's, it's amazing. And it's excellent. Oh, it's based on a series mm. of best-selling books. I have love those very... books, too. Mm. Yeah, I could, I could on. talk about The Expanse all day, but maybe yeah, I don't always. get distracted. <laughs> me, me, too. Maybe we, can, maybe we can chat after the show. Yes. That's the thing. Like, so it's, it's going to have a lot of pros trying to get it to market, but it's going to have a lot of cons going to market, too. Right. So and, and here, here's one that's going to be a... It's it's a weird one, but um, merchandising is going to be a problem. <laughs> ah, <laughs> because yeah. there's already a toy line, <laughs> and right. there's like I said, there is pros. and there isn't. You know, like th- there's a lot of room for them to expand in the toy Ooh. area oh, with yeah. things and, and that aren't miniatures. I'm going to play Kill Team Absolutely. 12 inch tall action figures. But but Can that, we? Okay, but. But that's the thing. Like, it's it's always pros and cons. Like, right, one of the cons right. is that Games Workshop already probably has extremely complex policies and and sort of like their internal legislature of how to handle, you know, intellectual properties and merchandising. However, the pro is they've been demonstrating with the Funko deal and other things that they are capable of working with other companies to create merchandising. So it's, but the where the complexity happens is that right now games workshop is licensing property but what happens if this now that they're doing it through the production company does the production company do the licensing how like it can get super complicated and the more complicated things get the less people want to play with them so i guess i'm super super stoked about it i can't wait to hear more news about it but here's the other part piece of bad news we're not going to see a winter release. Like this isn't hitting Netflix in spring. Like, we may get more news in spring that they have like right. a screenwriter or they have like, or they have the pilot script ready or a star attached to it. It's going to be a, like, it, it could move super fast. Like these things can move really fast, but I'm predicting that we're going to see a very slow slog before we see anything actually happen. If can at all. Can we fantasy cast who we want to play Eisenhorn? You can. I can't because I'm terrible at this. And every time <laughs> people too. say, could you cast? Like, people ask me to, like, I've been asked, who would you get to play, like, my the characters in my own book? And I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't you know You guys actors. are no fun. I'm super boring. What do you think, Matt? Who do you want to play Eisenhorn? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm bad at this too. I'm just bad at this. Who 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 would you who would you pick? Who me? No no Ashley. Who would you pick? In in a world where I could have everything that I want, it would be Idris Elba. I mean, interesting. <laughs> you, I have, have you seen what's could, going on with Little Mermaid? Uh, 
You mean how I totally want him to play King Triton too? He can do both <laughs> things. It's fine. No, no it's fine. Idris Elba for everything. No, I mean, I think, I think, you know, one advantage, I, you know, yeah. excluding everyone who's not a British actor, because I would assume they would probably want to keep it like a local thing. Um, I mean, you know, they may not, they may, they may, you know, just grab whoever's got a good accent or whatever. Um, but exclusively just thinking about British actors, Idris Elba was the first one who came to mind. I could but see I, that. you know, I, I want him to do everything, so that's probably. I, I don't want him to make me toast in the morning, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> Only after he makes me toast. <laughs> we don't live anywhere near each other enough for that to happen. You'd have to wait. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I mean, who would I cast? Idris Elba's really freaking good choices. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I, I've been thinking about it all afternoon. I, I promise I don't even know Eisenhorn enough to like. I haven't read the books. Like I know about the setting and, and just the, and grab the a piece synopsis. Of, just, just Google a quick piece of art. Get a get a feeling for his grandeur. I don't. See who comes to mind? I like. Like I don't know. Like I don't. I don't want to go by art because art like it gives you a visual that you kind of get hooked on. And it's hard to break away from it after. I I I don't know. Like it needs to be someone gravitas. Now that you've put it or sell by my head, like I can't shake it. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. I mean, I don't want to either. To be honest. <laughs> what about um? What's that guy's name? Like I, I heard someone toss around Carl Urban, and I was like, yeah, it's, I guess. No, it's no, he's got, no. He's got the he's, he's got the gritty thing. He's busy doing but... Mega City One. Oh, damn can't it. Wait. Until that happens. Yeah, he can't do anything else with that. Happens. Yes, he's busy until that's done. Um, but he's not a bad choice either. You're right. He he definitely, even if it's not necessarily Eisenhorn, there's definitely a really good spot available for him somewhere in the 40K universe. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he, yeah. he's he's got that sort of gritty 40K yeah. thing going on. Oh, yeah. No, it's good. Everything he did in Dread is like exactly what I wanted a 40K thing. We need. The, the grit, yes. He can just do a movie about the um, the Arbites, the police force in the Underhive. Same costume, everything. You're just, yeah, just, you're, you're just saying that because he did like Judge Dredd, <laughs> which is basically the same thing. Yeah, that's what we're saying. What about um, Peter Serafinowitz? Who? Who? He's, I said I'm bad at these things. He's the guy from uh, he's Guardians of the Galaxy. He is currently the Tick. In the Tick show on. Oh, oh my God! No, he's great. He can kind of do like that brooding thing, you know, and he's got kind of get the look going. I feel, yeah, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. I guess that'd be my choice. No, I, I've got no opposition to that. <laughs> Who would you cast for a servitor? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. There you go, yeah. <laughs> no, for all the servitors. Like, every servitor is Vin Diesel. <laughs> I love it. I like it. Just, like, just green screen him into every, like, if you need multiple, you know, servitors, just all of them are Vin Diesel. It would be perfect. I think you're right. I like it. <laughs> um, I mean, he did, um, he did all that, um, Riddick stuff, which is pretty gritty. Um, he'd, uh, I think he'd get along. Nicely oh no, he players. would jump at it. He isn't he like a 40k player? Uh, he's a D and D player for sure. I don't know about he's 40k. Multiple things. Let's be he's honest. a big nerd. I know that. 
Um, as far as famous people who play 40K, the only person I know for sure was Robin Williams. He played orcs. Yeah. If anybody didn't know that. A little, little fun tidbit for your parties. <laughs> I thought he played Eldar. He probably played a few things, I'd imagine. I think he, he definitely... From what I understand, he would like he would buy people's painted stuff, right? Because he's busy and had other stuff to do. But I think he just collected a lot of stuff. I think Orcs was his main thing, from what I heard as well. Same as Ashley, but I'm sure D and D probably. Uh, I'm sure Vin Diesel has probably dabbled in 40k. If he hasn't, he should. <laughs> it's funny because then, then if you're listening to this, yeah, all, yeah. If you're listening to this and not playing 40k, weird, dude. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, you should try it. It's a pretty, pretty dope game. <laughs> There's Tree Man. I mean, it should have There you dead, go, right? right? It's crossover. <laughs> yeah, this is the worst humor. It's like this is this is this one's called Greek. This one's called Greek. <laughs> They're all sold. He does the voice during the whole game. Everything he's doing, that's what he says. Anyway, um, speaking of cool 40K properties or animations or shows, have you guys seen uh, Astartes on YouTube at all? I have no. not. All right, you guys need to check this out. All you listeners need to, too. It's it's one guy that did it. It's I think there's five episodes. It's probably in total maybe eight minutes long. But it's um, it's about Space Marines assaulting a renegade Imperial Guard ship oh and the animation is great um he does a good job showing like how fast space marines are so just as one example there's as like a squad of imperial guard guys firing down a hallway on the ship at the space marines you, you from the point of view of the imperial guard you can't even see the space marines and the space marines way down the hall there's like five guys a space marine shoots five shots and kills every single guy that checks out. Yeah. I thought they were just BS4. <laughs> oh, these are these are moving marines, Jeff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where they're like BS23 and strength 12 and have 10 wounds apiece. Uh, yeah, so check that out if you haven't seen that yet. Um, the big thing that, which you should have mentioned before, is Warcry. That's sort of the next big thing coming out for GW. So we have... No news on what's next for 40k. There's I lots mean, of there's, rumors out there. I was gonna say, like, do do you guys have speculations? Um, the sisters have got to come out like in full force someday, right? I have speculation. I so I, I feel like that's that's gotta be. It's gotta be soon, right? Uh, September maybe. I, that I feel that soon. you may you may be right. So here's the thing, right? Um, Today, I was chit-chatting with my brother about various 40K-related things, and one of the things he pointed out, like, he said, hey, there's a good, looks like there's a good chance that we're going to see Aeronautica Imperialist sometime in August or late September. Ooh. I'm like, wait, I'm usually a little bit more on top of rumors than you are, sir. How do you come about that bit of information? And basically, his thing was that if he, he looked at the... Uh, the, the, the Black Library release schedule, and there are not one, but two books about um, aeron aero uh, aeronautical combat coming out at this roughly the same time in uh, in August, in late August. 
Interesting. So, I mean, Games Workshop has been pretty good about matching releases and stuff. So there is a, an initial first rumor that we can look at. But then as I was looking at that same schedule, some like in late in, uh, late August, there's also a book called Celestine coming out. Oh, hey, what could that be I about? Mean... <laughs> so, if we're going like and, and again, like this is super speculation and rumors and there's like we don't have any sources confirming anything. This is all just me going, just ooh, wouldn't it be nice? But we haven't seen much 40k. Like, there's no big things for 40k. Like, oh, like of course Apocalypse is big, but it's like it's it's like we're not even seeing new models for Apocalypse this time right. around. Right. Um. We saw we well. We, I guess we got some Chaos Knights, but I mean that's great. But it it seems like such a small you know splash release compared to yeah. most things that we've seen recently. So it does feel like I mean we're sort of getting ready for a bigish 40k release. Yeah, it does. It you know, I, I think they've like they had a lot of big stuff for Age of Sigmar, especially now with the war with Warcraft coming out. We had some big stuff for forty K at the beginning of the year, so now that's we've got like the, the mid year lull and then I think I think you're right, like August end of August, September is when we're gonna get something forty K. Um there's a picture floating around out there about where somebody's from GW is talking and they have some like space green stuff in front of them. But it looks like it's more Primaris-based stuff, um, like an, yeah, a couple like more vehicles. Building, I know. Yeah. yeah. But um, and we also what we haven't seen yet either is the the multi-part kits for anything from um, uh, what was that last 40k box that came out? I can't remember the name right now. Shadow Spear, right? Mm. So we haven't seen any multi-part kits for that for Chaos or. The Space Marines. Um, so people are kind of speculating that, you know, when when we get into the last couple months of the year, you'll see maybe like a re-release Space Marine Codex with all the new data sheets in it and all the updates and stuff. And then all those kits will come out as multi-part plastic kits. Yeah, but I, I sort of have a feeling we're probably going to see Sisters before we see that. Like, oh, yeah, I, I definitely think so, too. I think that's maybe the Space Marine thing is like an October, you know, November kind of thing. Right, and then like in December we'll get all the uh, the painting and the hobby stuff that we usually do with like uh, army kits. Yep, yep, uh, army kits for whatever. Uh, usually, it's army kits are fancy. Year, but... Yeah, it. it tends at least for the Age of Sigmar stuff. It's been it was last year. It was stuff that came out last year, or so. Um, but we haven't really had much for 40k this year. Which makes me hopeful that we're gonna see sisters sooner rather than later. Yeah. And and there's always those rumors out there like, oh, well, now they're going to start doing, like, White Scars Codex and, uh, you know, other chapters Codex, which, to me, it's kind of boring. We can always hope, though. I mean, you Same. know, just, be, just because Space Wolves have all the love doesn't mean other chapters don't deserve it, too. <laughs> I mean, that I, I wouldn't mind if they did that if they did it, like, all in one week. It was like, here's, you know, White Scars, Raven Guard, and I don't know, somebody else. Yeah, here you go. Give, that would be a really complicated uh, release, doing yeah. a bunch of those at this time, though. I'm sure they'd have to spread it out, even yeah. if they intended to do them all. Yeah. I'm I'm way more interested in new things. Like, I've read a couple yeah. of articles about the idea of maybe something that could, um, like, potentially sort of not necessarily unite the, the Xenos. Because right now, like, you have a bunch of... A bunch of uh, Eldar codexes that work together. You have a bunch of co- co- 
Chaos Codexes that work together and a bunch of Imperial Codexes that work together. And then, I don't know, like, the rest of the Xenos are kind of on their own. I mean, hey, these two cults. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one that works, and and you can also pair them with Imperial Guards. So I guess they're, true, they're fine. True. But Tau hang out with Tau, and Necron with Necron, Orcs with Orcs, and all that. So I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing like give us like another Xenos race that doesn't unite them because fluff wise that doesn't work too well, but gives us maybe an excuse to have them work together a bit. So that we can get the same sort of fun alliances and multi-codex things going on? I feel like we, we fantasized about this previously, or at least I certainly have. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, this is, this is a time where you bring back Demiurgs, and, uh, not Demiurgs, yeah. but like Squats slash Demiurgs, and have them, like, you know, not necessarily like, give, them, give them a thing where that's what they do. Like they parlay between races and, and, and form these, these temporary alliances to help better modify you know control where the, the the bigger powers in the galaxy end up yeah like if you have a demiurg or whatever detachment then you can take you know detachments from these armies as well something like that or just use it to move the fluff forward to a point yeah. where you know yes the tau will ally with the necrons because that one event that happened on that planet that the demiurg managed to like parlay like this this sort of negotiation where these races will tentatively work together like a, a xenos alliance would be kind of neat which which tower perfect for anyway right because they're all about like we want to work with you but we really want you to work for us kind of thing. oh yeah, yeah. Just a certain, yeah you know, to a certain point just do that with the tower just have right how yeah. bring all these weird races together and say hey yeah we're getting our asses kicked like tyrannids are everywhere and eating everything the imperium are not doing anything to like stop that and they're kicking our ass at the same time in the meantime like the eldars and i like no one's helping us we should help each other right and the way they've sort of played around with how the necrons behave they might be into it the, you know obviously the orcs well will you know what like i, I could see the like guys go truck i say you know what here's here's how the orcs are going to help your little alliance thing Point us towards the fight. <laughs> yeah. And we'll go do it. Like, we'll... As long as you point us to something else to kill, we won't kill you. That's the orc deal in this. Yeah. So, why not? Like, I feel like we could use that kind of thing. And we're digressing like crazy, but this That's is fun. Okay. No, I'm into it. And, and especially because, you know, with the camp, with the visualist books they were doing, I mean, I feel like they got to wrap up that storyline because... Um, but then this would be a great place to put it, right? In a campaign book, this is a great place to introduce new sort of army list ideas and stuff like that. Mm, yeah, absolutely. We can only hope. Yeah, no, I mean, they keep talking about like, oh, we're, we're now now we're moving the uh, we're moving the the the, the 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 fluff forward. I feel that moving the fluff forward should allow us to, because that's what they did with. Uh, you know, it's a Sigmar. Like in Age of Sigmar, they gave us like these grand alliances, right. and we have grand alliances in 40k. Just there's a bunch of armies that aren't part of one. <laughs> right, that's sort of their own thing. Yeah, I'd love to see that. That'd be great. But if we find out anything, you of course we'll talk about it on the show. Um, you guys get anything else for the listeners today? Um. No, not really. <laughs> it's I mean, it's next, summer. Next, yeah, next episode I'm probably gonna have like some more comments on contrast, and I I have some I have some ideas about Aeronautica Imperialist, but that can wait. It's summer. 
JF moved. Ashley's got game night every night. Guys, <laughs> I hope it hasn't been too much of a distraction. <laughs> I actually didn't hear anything, I don't think. Me neither. Yeah. I've been very careful with the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> we, had a, we missed a lot of the explosives in the background. Uh, you also missed the dog, uh, I think, trying to murder one of the neighbor dogs. Ooh. He's uh, so friendly, he doesn't sound friendly. Ah. Yeah, he sounds like a jerk, even though he wants to play. So we're <laughs> working on that. Well, guys, please, uh, you know, post on our Facebook page. We want to see what you're doing with Contrast. Feel free to widely speculate. We do, uh, we do respond if you post on our page. So, and we'll uh, post some stuff that we're working on as as we try out our new the new Contrast paints. And um, we will see you guys in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening to 40K Radio, part of the Free Buddhist Network. You can contact us via email at hosts at 40kradio.com or on the Free Buddhist Forum. Please check out the other podcasts on the Free Buddhist Network. Until next time, remember that in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war and cookies. <laughs>